0: Hello, and welcome to Vince and Jason Save the Nation, where two guys with opposing views come together uh, in good faith and try to actually solve some of the problems that we have in this country and have a good discussion about it. And we want you to like and subscribe, come back and visit us as much as possible. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find Vince and Jason trying to save the nation.
1: Hey, Jason, thanks so much. Man, I'm actually very pumped about this. And uh, we've been working on this for a while for you. And I, I just want to jump right into this first topic uh, that we're discussing, which is the, this week is just a remarkable week in terms of um, all of a sudden the mainstream press, and I, I use the phrase elite consensus, is now allowing us to talk about this idea that the, that the coronavirus came from Wuhan, China, and in particular might have come from a virology lab right there in Wuhan, China. it's It's been something that especially the right has been talking about over the course of the last year, but there was a big effort to censor conversation around this. Facebook was taking down or suppressing posts about this subject. And major news outlets were dismissing this as nothing more than a quote, debunked conspiracy theory for most of the pandemic, despite the fact that there were some people like Senator Tom Cotton, who very early on said, look, this is a very reasonable line of inquiry. This is the kind of thing that we should be looking into. What do you make of the way that this came out over the course of the past year, how it was downplayed and how all of a sudden it seems to have achieved some sort of mainstream appeal and at least in conversation?
0: So I, th- I think, Vince, we have to actually look at the context for, for everything and how this came out and why certain uh, you know, Facebook and other platforms uh, were suspicious of this kind of discussion, and I think it goes back to the last time we had uh, an epidemic or a pandemic. Um, you know, really, I think significant cult that shaped our culture the way COVID-19 has, and I would say that's HIV. And when we had that going around the, the world um, and claiming lives around the world, one of the things that we know was that. There was Soviet disinformation that came out during that time uh, that basically was saying that the U.S. had created HIV in a laboratory. So, with that kind of disinformation, you know, people are going to be a little more vigilant in terms of what they're actually going to accept, or, or, or you know, being careful about disinformation campaigns that are meant to, uh, you know, particularly between two nations that are political rivals. So. You know the U.S. obviously is a rival of China, just like the Soviets were a rival of the U.S. at the time, and that was the different disinformation that came out of the 1980s. And we have to remember, Dr. Fauci uh, was a hero of the whole uh, HIV epidemic, um, and the and you know how he kind of advanced uh, you know the things that were going on, the public health concerns that were going on during that time. So obviously, a lot of people who were around during that time. We're like, oh, not again. The other thing that we have to remember is that the historical basis for a virus to jump from animals to humans is really high. That's how it normally happens. So again, HIV—that's how it happened—went from animals to humans. Another Zika, Ebola, the and the original SARS. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we're yeah. with SARS, COVID uh, two. You know, the original SARS came from animals. So it was logical for a lot of people in the scientific community to say, this came from animals. I don't think anybody, you know, kind of contrary to what you stated earlier, I don't think anybody was going around saying that this didn't start in Wuhan. I think pretty much we agreed about that. Everybody agreed about that. What they said was that it came from this wet market. You Mm -hmm. know, that was the theory. And people were eating things Uh, that they probably should not have eaten or should have cooked better or whatever.
2: That's the claim. Um,
1: Yeah. Although, although they haven't there, first of all, there were no bats actually sold in that market. That was one of the things that came out uh, eventually. And it was kind of interesting. It's like, you know, one of the ways I've seen this uh, Wuhan lab theory downplayed, at least it was last year was like, well, this is part of what was being alleged to be a racist theory. So if you ascribe it to sort of Chinese recklessness, then that somehow is a, is a racist uh, theory, which I think is preposterous, because if you were going to pick two theories and say, okay, which one has higher racial connotations, it'd be that poor Chinese people in a wet market didn't know how to handle live animals and then ended up getting the planet sick. That seems like the one that we'd more beg to the to the like in terms of like measuring which one's more of a racist thing. So setting that aside, because I think both of those ideas are preposterous, it's looking at like the reality of, look, you've got this high-level research lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, right down the street from the lab in question. We've known for, not all year, but we've known for some time, Australia found this out, and then it was, the State Department put out a report in January of this year that several of the researchers who were working in that lab got sick in November of 2019. Three. Yeah, three of them. Yes, and then uh, we found out the addition to that was that the Wall Street Journal just added that they were actually hospitalized as a result of their illnesses with COVID-like symptoms at that time. Uh, and it just it basically the pile of evidence that suggests okay, it is very possible that this thing came from the lab it just continues to grow. Now, does that mean it definitively came from there? No. What it does mean though is that for the last eighteen months, uh, we've had a lot of people treated as completely unserious, and we're cutting off. Sort of the like conversations entirely about this subject, so, uh, and I think that's that's a very dangerous thing uh, to be I, happening, and that I, includes among scientists who were.
0: I, I get that 100, percent and I'm in agreement that we should have been open to this as an idea. Maybe and and many scientists still believe it is very it is probably more likely uh, that this jump from from human from animals to humans that's. Probably the more likely scenario, there are lots of scientists around the country who are saying that. But the fact that uh, you couldn't inquire about how it started, I think is problematic. I think we can agree there that this should have been um, something that was looked at and should not have been shut down.
1: Do you get nervous about that? Do you get nervous about the control that the corporate press and that the big social media companies have over what we're allowed to talk about?
0: Of course, I get nervous. About not only what we're allowed to talk about, but I also understand the nervousness about what we actually talk about, and what you know certain entities are talking about that put people in danger. That are like you said, completely preposterous, like you know, PizzaGate and like QAnon and all these kinds of theories that become dangerous. So it's this it's this scary kind of balance that we have. We don't want to shut down conversation but again with the wuhan situation it wasn't the fact that it came from china that people were afraid uh in terms of or calling you know for more racial sensitivity number one Mm -hmm. it was the president of the united states who be uh, who below the the dignity of the office was calling it the kung flu you know which obviously has racial you didn't
1: think that was you didn't think that was funny kung flu
0: uh, there are a lot of racist things that, that might actually be funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't mean that it's right. It certain- was a
1: little it was a little hackneyed actually by the time he used it, like a lot of people had already used that joke. So I, I was like, you know, it was you know it's
0: cool for the president of the United States to do that and waive uh-huh. the dignity of the office. Okay. You
1: but I mean it's it wasn't but it wasn't a surprise to you that Donald Trump of all people oh, yes, decided no, that, I mean, that Kung Flu was like a good line.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. Of course. I mean, Donald Trump. If Obama had done that, I'd have been like, what <laughs> actual F. He, I what could, I couldn't,
1: my jaw would drop. If, if Obama had done that, my jaw would drop because yeah. it, it would not be in character at all for that guy yeah, to, that to say, hey, the Kung Flu. It was,
0: I'm kind of calling it the Kung Flu. I'd go a step farther. If it were a rumor that he said it in an office somewhere <laughs> in the White House, which is two people, I would uh-huh. have gone nuts on it. <laughs> you know yeah. what, I'm just what the hell is he doing that is below the dignity of the president? He don't <laughs> say that kind of thing in public. But Donald Trump, is like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I expect it, but he shouldn't have said it. And now we see, you know, I'm not making, no, I will make some sort of direct kind of uh, uh, connection between that and the rising in Asian hate, which is up 164%. Can
1: COVID. you make that connection? Is it, is it based on COVID?
0: Absolutely. I, I think a lot of it is based on COVID. Why, in terms of anti-Asian hate, does it all of a sudden spike after we have a COVID where people are calling it the Kung flu and saying it came from China? You okay. know what I mean? So again, I, I don't know if you noticed, I was trying to do the, it's, it's hard to do the, uh, the Donald Trump now.
1: The Donald Trump China. Yeah, I got
0: it. Anyway, point being, I think the problem is not even saying that it came from China because we all agree on that. Yeah, of course. There's no question about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've we named like almost every virus. We either name it the animal from which it comes or the region from well, which region, it comes. Yeah, yeah I, it's not I, unusual.
0: I never had a problem with calling it the Wuhan virus because <laughs> right. we know it came from Wuhan. Yes. Um, I, now, the, the thing that I think was problematic about this whole thing and why people were really quick to dismiss it was there were people who all of a sudden jumped to the conclusion, not that this was a mistake, not that this was even incompetence, but that it was intentionally done, or the mm-hmm. virus was intentionally released by the Chinese. And so the theories was that it was intentionally released by the Chinese. Yeah, to discredit Donald Trump. Which okay,
1: so this is where this of is
0: of, you know absurd. There's
1: this no is argument. where the media, this is where the media did a real disservice to this story. So when Tom Cotton initially came out and said that this needs to be examined, given the proximity of the lab and the type of work that they were doing there. He was knocked down by The New York Times as spreading a conspiracy theory that had been debunked. And the way that the sleight of hand the press would often use was that they've already, there's no evidence that this is a bioweapon, they would say. And that's not that's not what he said. He never used those words. He never said it was a bioweapon. And we would get this sort of uh, Deeply politicized news coverage that had nothing to do with the specifics of the allegation, but people were so scared, meaning the institutional press was so scared to begin to have this conversation. And the reason for it, and I was very struck by almost the honesty of of these assessments this week. I saw it in three places. NPR, The Washington Post, and the New York Times all said the following that because Donald Trump was president and because he was one of the people saying this, in addition to Tom Cotton and Fox News, that scientists, Felt a pressure to basically take that theory off the table, to 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 not give that th- uh, theory any sort of serious weight because of the political pressures they felt.
0: Well, to listen, not take it seriously. Yeah, so and- I read the, the NPR piece, and I missed that part. I did not see that at all. I, I and I and I'm very skeptical of that because you know, coming from a family of scientists, yes, yeah. tell you right now, scientists do not make decisions based on politics that's not what's have you
2: seen the cdc lately
0: oh have you i think a lot of them were frustrated
2: yes Uh, i
1: agree oh oh, by the way the rank and file cdc guys i totally agree with you and we've seen some reports about that deep frustrations with the things that they were putting out but i'm talking about like the guys who run that agency who are supposed to be doing it based on the science How often has it been corrupted by the politics?
0: all the time. I I think all of 2020, it was corrupted by the politics. Yes. We we can definitely say that. And I'm sure there's some spillover into into today. Um, I think that there, uh, you know, of course, we know that uh, the communication between some people in the science community and uh, the people making political decisions, you know, unfortunately politicized it in a way that, For example, like I said with HIV, when you had the the Reagan White House, and I trust me, I'm no fan of Ronald Reagan. You know, I'm probably less of a fan of Ronald Reagan than Donald Trump, because at least Donald Trump can be funny. Like, (laughs) you know, Ronald Reagan, I mean, he kept politics out of science. You know what I mean? Or science out of politics, politics out of science. I'm sorry. So he he was like, look, let's follow the science, let's deal with this. Right. Um, you know, before it spreads and and hurts more people, and let's get this under control. I think now we were in an election year. There were all kinds of political, op, uh, you know, uh, political implications to all of this, and it got politicized. And right now, we are seeing a wave of disinformation. So I understand you're indicting the mainstream press, and I'm mostly with you on that. For sure. Uh, I also think that some of what goes as underground press that pretends to be truth can be really dangerous. Um, I, I agree. And number one, we don't know a lot of these answers. This is why we need more investigation. Right. So for example, those three uh, scientists from Wuhan who uh, ended up getting sick, we don't know what they got sick with. Right. This is all the guess. people are saying they had COVID-like symptoms. They could have gotten the flu you know what I mean? They could have gotten many other things uh, and were not really clear on whether it was COVID. I think it's right. become this kind of. Uh, That's true.
1: But they also got sick at a super critical time. It was right in the vicinity of, of the outbreak itself. And I mean, if they were among the first guys who were sick, it is interesting. You know, China, to your point from before, it has been concealing a lot of the information here, not releasing the data, not sharing the blood samples, destroying information uh, and when you start destroying records, it kind, of, it kind of suggests that you have something to hide. That, that, so there, there are obvious questions involved here and not enough answers. Although we did see yesterday, the New York Times reports that uh, the Biden administration claims to have intelligence that they have not yet looked at from Wuhan that uh, dates back 18 months, which is a jaw-dropping thing. The idea that the intelligence community has been sitting on packets of information they haven't even rifled through suggests a sort of bias around the origins of this question that infected the intelligence community that prevented us from taking a serious look at where this thing came from and it it does matter it really does i i've, I've no, seen some really people does. claim i've seen some people claim like well what does it matter if it was natural or if it was a lab it matters a lot i mean if exactly. it was if if the united states taxpayers are paying this lab which we were we put several hundred thousand dollars into it and the results of, of our payments is to potentially produce a pandemic that's killed upwards of 600,000 Americans, not to mention 3 million people worldwide. It does seem like the kind of thing that we should have uh, some inquiry into.
0: I, I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, I think the, the original person, the original scientist that started talking about this, Jamie Metzl, you know, he, he was out there saying, look, we need to- Clinton see-
1: guy, big
2: Democrat.
0: And, and yeah, no, definitely calls himself a progressive. Yeah. You know, this is why I agree with you on some of this, uh, that this needed to be looked at. Uh, we needed to see the origin. And number one, in order to stop things from happening again, you yes. need to see how it started.
1: Okay, then, so look, course, you and I agree. You we and were, I agree on that.
0: I, here's the thing. Know, that 6th, we, we need to commission to see where that started so that it doesn't happen again.
1: We, yeah, I mean, I, right. look, we, you and I could spill off into like a much bigger debate on that subject. That, that was one of the most televised events in American history. I think the difference here is you actually have well over half a million people dead in the United States. So if anything deserves a 9-11 style commission, it's the origins of the coronavirus. Sure. But, but
2: this-
0: I'm not making a one-to-one comparison. There. I'm just saying that I, I think it's important yes. that we investigate things uh, and find out their origin find sure. out what, what influenced them, really do thorough investigations. Uh, there's definitely not a one-to-one comparison between the two, but I do think we need to know why it started. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. again, I, I'm not taking us into a different direction just yet, but what I will say is that, you know, when it comes to uh, any kind of health pandemic, yeah, we need to zero in on where it came from. And when it comes to, in most of them, you know, when it comes to viruses, they jump from animals to humans. That's, that's true.
1: Although, happening. although many there have been many cases of leaks in labs. That's that's just abundantly true as well. Plenty of people who work in these types of labs have become sick through the mishandling of viruses throughout time through, throughout the last century, for sure. So, it wouldn't be unusual for someone to be made ill from a virus they were working on but within well, a lab.
0: Pandemic to start, or even even an epidemic. So, like I said, HIV Zika. Yeah. Uh, Ebola, SARS, right. uh, you know, including, like I said, the SARS that, you know, it, this is basically an offshoot of, um, all of those came from animals to humans. So I understand why the scientific community, you know, in 99% of the cases, according to some sources that I was reading, and, and the vast majority of these cases, it comes from animals to human and, humans. And in a place like Wuhan, it is very possible that it would go from animals to humans. I do agree though that with the Wuhan um, Institute of Virology there and all those kinds of things, that right. it should have at least been looked at. And, yes. and it should have been taken seriously and it wasn't, because again, all of this gets politicized on both the right and the left.
1: That's true. Okay, so this is what this is. Let me jump to this. Okay. So you and I agree, it's like, look, we should look into this. That makes sense. And in God willing, the truth comes out. But I, the, I think the point that really bugs me the most about this story, in addition to finding out what are the actual sources, is the ease with which the mainstream press decided to kill this story and the ease with which, especially the social media companies that wield all this influence. You saw what Facebook did this week. Facebook came out and they said, OK, we are now going to allow conversations about the idea that COVID may have been man-made." They announced that earlier this week. Now you can safely have those conversations on our social media network. You know, the the biggest platform for interpersonal communication on the planet. Um, you can now you are now allowed to have those conversations. Look, they quite clearly got that one wrong for the last year and a half, foreclosed on the ability for people to have honest conversations on that subject. I mean, when do we start airing on the side of free speech again? In the sense that we like. Say, look, if, if there's bad speech out there, if somebody believes in something crazy, we snuff it out with good speech. We, like tell, we, we let them see counter arguments rather than balkanizing them and just shutting them out of the conversation entirely.
0: But that hasn't that hasn't happened uh, with, like I said, with things like QAnon, you know what I mean? Which I, I think you and I would probably agree that that's nonsense, but those kinds of things uh, gain steam. And when they're not rejected by high-profile people, they gain even more steam. And then they- So think about- dangerous. And then we look at Russian disinformation. Some of our enemies put- the Iranians putting out certain things. Do we want to make people subject to that? Now, I'm not calling for, you know, I, I'm trying, you know, I'm probably doing uh, a bad job of trying to toe a particular line. But I do think we have to be worried about our enemies, in particularly in the United States. Worried about our enemies spreading disinformation uh, that can cause all kinds of things. For example, the Russians. One of the things that they were doing in right. 2016 that has been proven is they were targeting African Americans. They wanted to cause racial discord. So when everyone's saying, "Oh, you know, this person is a race baiter," and they're trying to cause discord, you should be looking at some of our enemies who are doing that. Right. And so if we don't snuff that kind of stuff out you know what i mean you know it it, it can bubble yeah. up and get dangerous and trying to get it out with good speech doesn't always work
1: so yeah. you're right so on the on the on the russian disinformation side we know that the russians bought like a couple hundred thousand dollars in facebook ads and they used them in a bunch of different ways in the 2016 election not really clear actually how effective they were i do know that they um organized some rallies and events on both sides of race issues and were quite clearly trying to cause chaos in the united states no question again not sure how effective any of that actually was. I, I think we were plenty good at fighting amongst ourselves without assistance from the Russians. But that, that said, um, here's, here's what I think about like the idea of like who, about policing speech that um, is insane, whatever it might be. Somebody has to make the judgment call. There has to be a referee that ultimately makes the decision. Yeah, that's in bounds, that's out of bounds. And if Jesus Christ himself was the panel making the decision as to what's in bounds and what's out of bounds, I think most of us, or maybe you and I at least, would agree that makes sense, okay, he can do it. But at what point do you say, you know, maybe it's not a good idea that I let Mark Zuckerberg be the referee on this subject or let any of the major corporate titans who, who run these media companies be the referee on these subjects, uh, it, especially with these social media companies, especially with places like Google and Facebook and Twitter, at what point do you decide, you know, you know, maybe it's not actually in my interest for them to be the referee on what discussion is allowable, because while for the moment you may think, OK, look, my conversations are safe because I'm not going to say anything that runs afoul of their rules. Eventually, though, the worm could turn and you could see all of a sudden that, wow, all of you know, whatever Jason believes in, some percentage of it is not allowed to be said on social media. Are we comfortable with this?
0: No, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, there are certainly. Uh, needs to be free speech. I do think there is free speech, but you don't get a free platform for, your, for what it is that you say. So again, my, Mark Zuckerberg controls Facebook. Yes. So now, if you want to have a discussion about whether Facebook should be broken up, we can probably, we can do that. I don't know if we have time today, but I will say Mark Zuckerberg controls Facebook. He gets to say what it is that goes on his platform. Right. So for example, if I if you own a restaurant, you know, and I run up in your restaurant and I start putting Black Lives Matter flags up all throughout your restaurant. Yep. You're going to be like, look, I don't know, you know, maybe you're like, I don't have anything against Black Lives or Black Lives Mattering, but you cannot put that up in my restaurant. This is my restaurant. This is my platform. And I'm going to say what is acceptable and what isn't. You know, um, yes. what posters can be put up and what can't, what things right. can be promoted and what can't, what goes on the TV and what doesn't. So until I mean we can have a conversation about breaking up Facebook, breaking up, Facebook, sure. breaking up all of that. I don't exactly know how that would function, but if you're gonna do that, uh, you know, if that's the discussion we have, then fine. I know there are people on both the left and the right. Yes. One of the few bipartisan things is about breaking up big tech. Yeah. Um, but so, I will say this is until you do that, you cannot force somebody, just like I can't do that at your restaurant, you cannot force Mark Zuckerberg or uh, Jack Dorsey or any of these owners of I can't force the people at Parlor or uh, what what is it, the, the guy, uh, Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, he's trying to start his own social yeah. network that's like all MAGA all day. Pillow I, talk oh, or man. something. What's
1: that? Is it called pillow talk?
0: Yeah, something it's like not,
1: that. might be. I don't uh, actually know what he's calling it.
0: Yeah, but that, that would be a great name for it. You. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was going to make a joke. You were
1: saying you, you can't force him to say what you want him to say or allow what you okay. want him to allow. You
0: can't because it's their platform.
1: Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. You can, in some sense, I mean, you can use the power of government to open up these companies to litigation for their editorial decisions. So yeah. there, is, there <laughs> are ways. <laughs>
0: Isn't that against your conservative values, Vince? You don't want government to come and intervene and tell people what they can and can't do and what they My- can't use their platform for. And that, that goes back to that, um, that Supreme Court decision about the, the guy with the cake. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, with Well, the- here's the
1: difference. Here's the difference between Masterpiece Cake Shop or, or Vince's Restaurant where Jason wants to put Black Lives Matter flags up is that by virtue of that restaurant or that small establishment, having someone force a message uh, like on, on them, even if they disagree with it, it doesn't actually affect the entire national conversation around a topic. So if Facebook says, okay, look, the lab league theory, nobody can talk about it on this platform. And if you do, we'll either suppress it or we'll ban you. And so the effect is that one of the dominant places, the, the, the international commons, where we all have these big conversations on Facebook, is precluded from certain lines of communication even occurring. And that has a distorting effect on what people even know, Jason. So it's like your ability to have knowledge is accrued through achieving it through the various platforms through which we communicate. So if Google decides, um, as they did, by the way, during the election, to shut off traffic to conservative news sites, they did do this. uh, And you see all of them collapse beginning in the vicinity of of April or, or May of 2020. The effect there is that those news sites can no longer meaningfully contribute to sort of the layman's perception of, of the known facts in the world. So as more and more people gather facts at all these news outlets, the only ones that you get to consume are the ones that are given the blessing by Google.
0: That's that's I'm going to say that that's false. Number one, because it is it's true. Let me, let me just respond really quickly. And just sure. Say that um, when they've shown the top pages on Facebook which I'm not sure if the daily caller is one of them but it should be now that we're there. Um but the top page of visited pages on, on Facebook it's things like Dan Bongino. Yeah. And you know it, it's literally 7 out of 10 uh in terms of political pages were conservative.
1: The top posts you're talking about on any given day. I've seen this right. this go around. I can it's- I can dive under the hood of that for you if you'd like. I my, my point was, was specifically about Google and, and what Google did during the election. On the Facebook side, um, you know, there's certainly there are going to be some categories of sites that Facebook is favoring others that they don't. And those individual posts that you're talking about, they're often shared by a New York Times reporter called Kevin Roos. He's a technology reporter there. And he'll share a daily list of like the 10 top most traffic links. And they often are, as you rightly pointed out, things like Dan Bongino and Ben Shapiro and perhaps a Daily Caller link or a Fox link. And they're disproportionately, at least as individual posts perform, conservative. That's totally true. And, but the reason for that, as best we've been able to gather, is because when you have such a diversity of news sources all covering the same topic. So say, for instance, like today, Joe Biden is expected to release a $6 trillion budget. ABC, CBS, NBC, uh, CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post are mostly going to cover that story in almost the same exact way with some slight variations to the actual reporting that goes into it right so then what you'll get is a limited number of alternative sites in this case conservative news sites who cover it in a different way and as a result just given the scarcity of that topic that will get more engagement that individual post will get more engagement um that's the explanation behind what the phenomenon you're talking about but regardless of that let me just set that all aside for a moment i just go back to my my core point which is if you have these billionaires who can shut off an entire specific avenue of conversation. It's not just about depriving that person of speaking because the, the company has that choice, which, as you right now, they do. That's true. It also distorts the public's ability to understand things. Like if you're equipped with fewer facts, then you're less capable of actually processing what's going on.
0: Again, this is where it comes down to. Where, uh, you know, where are you getting actual facts? When we look at some of those people, do you, or do you trust Dan Bongino to give you facts? You know, Dan,
1: I, yeah, most of the time, yeah.
0: Wow. Whew. Uh Yeah, we're going to disagree there, but
1: but, but Dan's also I, Dan's. By the way, Dan's not a journalist. Dan's uh, Dan's a pundit. He's an he's a he's an opinion guy.
0: Talking here. Um. No, but definitely, where where there, there there are facts, I definitely don't think that if something is a reputable source that leans conservative. Right. Um, I I would say, you know, when you look at uh, the way, you know, stories are covered, something like The Hill is leans conservative. It's not, you know, it's not Breitbart, which I I don't even consider a news source. But if you look at, like, something like The Hill, that should not be blocked because they have uh, something that is, you know, uh, conservative or, or... anti-Joe Biden or makes Joe Biden look bad or makes Harris look bad, uh, particularly if it's factual and backed in facts. But what we have seen is dangerous disinformation that puts everyone in a dangerous position. So I think that what they were trying to fight back against is someone using their platform, be it someone who is domestic or an international bad faith actor, coming in and trying to drive the narrative in a way that is divisive and dangerous. And we know through all of our intelligence services, we know that there are those bad faith actors, both domestic and international, who want to do that within the United States. Now, how do we police that? Now, conservatives and liberals have blamed those networks or those those platforms, excuse me, have blamed them when things go wild, and they're like, "Why is this all over uh, your your platform? You need mm-hmm. to police this." And then they get upset when these platforms actually try to police it. So uh, I, I think there, you know, it's it's a conundrum. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you 100% here. You know, I'm just saying that for big tech, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um now if you want to break up Big Tech like I said we can have that yeah. conversation that's that's a conversation that I think is bipartisan I just want to know how it would function I I'm, I'm not exactly sure Yeah Twitter
2: Well or- like
1: a, like Facebook for instance you know they've acquired everything I mean Facebook acquired Instagram gov- the government okayed that Facebook acquired WhatsApp the government okayed that you know Facebook has basically um become a gigantic combination of some of the world's uh, most popular services and keeps on consuming more and more of them unto itself. So that would be an example where I think some uh, politicians, I don't know if Josh Hawley's for this, but there's definitely some politicians are, yeah, break them up, break them up into their separate components. Google is a good example. Google's got its its ad program its Google Search, independent of that. It's um, It's cloud computing services. So there's a bunch of individual industries that it's involved in that I think some of the people who are for breaking them up say we can break them up into those.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that that's possible. Um but I, I really would go back to the point that right now, as they function right now, under you know, under the leadership of people like Zuckerberg and Dorsey and all of that, uh, they don't owe people their platform. And, and again, you you know, kind of dismissed my point about your restaurant and and the and the Black Lives Matter flags or whatever because of
1: because
2: of the but, scale, yes.
0: But let's say it's a local election. Mm-hmm. You know, let's break this down. This is this is a local election or a local issue, and all of a sudden, I come in and I make it so that your restaurant is literally covered in what it is that I believe. Right. And you say, "Look, I want to stay neutral," or I don't want to put that issue up. Yes. You have every right to do that because it's your space. Totally. And if I want to use your space, I have to use it based upon the rules that you have set. Now, again, what I think is an issue is if Google or any of these other platforms, Facebook, Twitter, don't make their rules known and plain and visible and readable, mm-hmm. and they start inventing rules. Uh, as they go, that's where it gets problematic. You know what I mean? When you start inventing new rules or, or things that aren't seen in your, uh, you know, your standards of, of practice, uh, that's when I think that we have a real big problem. But other, well, than that-
1: but I mean, but we know we know we're there. For instance, with Facebook, you know, um, James O'Keefe had a, a guy come to him this week who works inside of Facebook. They did a video together. And he explained that people who express vaccine hesitancy, uh, who say like, "Hey, I've heard you know somebody died from taking the vaccine," that Facebook was going out of its way to suppress that content, and they were used, giving people what they called a VH score, vaccine hesitancy score, to do that. And that's not something that they said publicly. They hadn't expressed publicly that they were attributing scores to people based on like sort of AI perception of of whether or not they shared the right combination of words. So would that be an example of something that you think Facebook should be more forthcoming with? Like, hey,
0: I, I here's all of what we need more of and, and just generally. And I think our, you know, the people who watch Vince and Jason Save the Nation, I think one of the things that we need more of in all cases, whether we're talking about vaccine hesitancy and on Facebook, right. or whether we're talking about policing, we need more transparency you have to make your rules known so I know how to operate by them. Yes. Now, again, with, with the vaccine hesitancy, let me just say, you know, anecdotally from my experience, uh, I've seen lots and, and, you know, in the African-American community and African-American Facebook, um, as fictitious as that concept is. <laughs>
1: is um, there? I didn't realize that. I, man, Well, you amazing. know,
0: people talk about Black Twitter. Or yes,
1: or, yes, I know. I'm
2: teasing
0: you. You know, all of that. But there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy a lot sure. of posted and I've never seen any of it, you know, get blocked or somebody say, oh, you know, I was in Facebook jail because I, I put up this idea. There's all kinds of posts uh, that say this vaccine. Right. To kill black people, which is absurd again. You know what I mean? You know, rich white people in Florida were leaving their communities and going to black communities to take the vaccine. I uh-huh. so think that all of a sudden the government you know, boogeyman is making these vaccines that will, you know, kill black people, but you know, they're using rich white people and their collateral damage. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> but this think- is literally the kind of stuff that was allowed to go and, and uh, sit freely on Facebook. Sure. It, 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 it didn't happen. Now I'm not saying that this, whatever the story that James O'Keefe put yeah. out there is completely false. But let me just say anecdotally, I certainly did not see that. I saw lots of vaccine hesitancy.
1: Yeah, no, you have no, totally. You know what you've seen. You don't know what you haven't seen. That's for sure. So, I mean, but my only point is like, obviously, if you're going to build an algorithm, it's going to have all sorts of secret trapdoors and adjustments and things that they've made. And, And Facebook is not clear. I mean, right now, just so forget that one news item. But if you just wanted to go find, okay, what is Facebook's algorithm? What will it deliver? What will it suppress? You can't find that. They won't, there is no clarity on that subject, uh, very little that's public facing. So that's the kind of thing that they should be more forthcoming about. My the reason I'm I'm so big on this in particular is unlike, say, a restaurant, no matter the actually no matter the scale, the, the central mission of the restaurant is to serve food to its customers. The central mission of Facebook is to provide a communications platform and not just any, it's a monopoly. I mean, it is the most dominant interpersonal communication company on the planet. And so, as a result, it has a heightened responsibility to have communications that authentically reflect what people are trying to communicate but among the one another.
0: Where's the other. line, Vince? That, that's that's my only question to that, and I'm not okay. So, I am so, necessarily disagree with you, but but I'm saying that again. Uh, okay, let me, that let me ask you this. Let me the or the or the, uh, or the pizza gate stuff, where literally a guy. Because he was reading and seeing things on the on the Internet from, you know, some people who I won't name because they're Internet trolls put videos on the Internet. Right. And had people, you know, and a guy watches that kind of stuff and shows up with an AR-15 asking where the kids are and wanting to go to the, the basement of a building that doesn't have a basement.
1: So if the institutions.
0: Where is the line?
1: There's a bit bit of a chicken and egg quandary going on here, because if the institutions around us are constantly suffocating conversations, including legitimate ones, then eventually people start acting crazy, right? Like radicalism is a product of suppression and censorship. There's no question about that. So when when people are born down upon by our institutions and constantly lied to by our institutions, eventually what happens is you get some people react in radical ways. That's one. Now, two, on this issue of the line, I mean, you would agree that there's an economic line that we can call a monopoly, right? Like eventually a company can consume so much power onto itself that you would agree that monopolies exist, no?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So my, my point on that is like on the issue of communication and culturally for that matter, that's a real threat as well. If, if you've got major corporations who are exerting incredible power, over the culture of the United States, the conversation of the United States, and by the way, the rest of the world, but you and I are here to save America, save the nation. If they're exerting incredible power over all of those things, and we never elected any of them, and there's really no recourse for us other than to use the the levers of government to stop this, like, why shouldn't we? I mean, wouldn't it be a good idea to protect the interests of this country?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. And and I'm I'm sorry that I may have missed some of that because I need to I'm trying to get my wife to bring me my computer charger before my computer falls. It's all right.
1: It's all right. But we're running up I, against the clock anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But but no, I, I agree with you 100 percent that uh, there is a danger to shutting down conversations. The problem is that what we're doing right here on Vincent Jason Save the Nation. Um It does not happen in lots of America. This is one of the problems with race. This is one of the problems with with LGBT issues is that obviously, you know, there was a study I believe by the Washington Post or the Washington Post like put this out there that the average white person in their close circle of 75 people did not know a single uh, black person. Mm -hmm. So all that, you know, I I have a black friend. uh, Oh, damn Actually, do have a charm. Someone said them. All that, I have a black friend, all that kind of stuff is, is not real.
1: Wait, what? They were lying about their black friend?
0: They were lying about their <laughs> black friend.
1: <laughs> they don't even have a black friend. See, I thought, I thought it was cheap to use that as an excuse. Now I find out they were lying the whole time. <laughs> they were
0: lying the whole time. Uh, but, but let me, I mean, the, the major point here yes. is that we really don't talk to one another we really don't come into contact with one another. Right. You know, so that's how someone believes that if you're a Democrat, that you support uh, pedophilia or, you know, these, these kinds of ridiculous things. We are so racially and residentially segregated. We are in our own little bubble. We yep. hear what we want to hear. So someone who is on Facebook or on, you know, or Google's whatever they want to Google we often look for confirmation bias, uh, assume that the other side is evil and we represent good. And a lot of times when you do that, it can be dangerous. So what I'm saying is, okay, I'm not for censorship at all. You know what I mean? Because if that is true with all the billionaires, the majority of them being conservative and they can start controlling, the, the flow of information, the person that's going to get censored are people like me, or the people who are going to get cens- censored are people like me. So I'm, I'm definitely not supporting uh, shutting down conversation. But number one, we have to have conversation. And I don't think that that happens in America. This is why our yeah. show is so unique. And this is why we would like for you to like and subscribe uh, to our show on Spotify, Go watch it on YouTube. Share it around. Yeah, uh, and hopefully we can actually in the comments we can actually have real conversations and not say, "Well, that guy's an idiot," or that guy, <laughs> that Vince guy. I hate his glasses and he's stupid. And, you know, yeah, this yeah, guy. He's a liberal. You know who I hate. You know we can actually go through and actually have conversations because that's what's missing in America. Totally. And, and right now we are we are in so many vacuums that these dangerous ideas come up. And the question for all the big tech, you know, is how do you deal with that? We don't want to be responsible. And and will we become liable at some point, uh, whether, uh, you know, financially or just morally, when the next mass shooting happens or something happens because somebody believes some crackpot theory, or when people run up and actually do find Ilhan Omar or uh, AOC in in the Capitol? What will be our responsibility under those circumstances? So again, that's what I think the big conundrum for big tech is. Uh, Hopefully big tech will allow you to find Vince and Jason Save the Nation. (laughs) And you will like and subscribe, share it around, share it on Facebook. I sure hope so. Because if this...
1: Because if this conversation isn't safe, I don't know what is, Jason. Right. Jason, I, I really enjoy talking to you, man. I we disagree on so much. We agree on a bit too, actually. And uh, and I think this is going to be a very productive uh, conversation that we're going to have over the next. I don't know. Let's say a couple of years.
0: Absolutely. Let's hope more than a couple of years. I'm trying to retire on a beach. Um, <laughs> Me definitely, too, bro. And we want you guys to, you know, who are viewers and, and who are listening, to be part of our conversation. We're totally excited about moving this forward. So like I said, again, like, uh, subscribe, um, you know, stay, get your notifications ready. We're going to be dropping more content more often every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, we will be giving you more of Vince and Jason Save the Nation. And if you have ideas, put them in the comments. We'd love to hear. We're going to be reading those comments. We may even respond. So thank you guys for listening, for watching, and
2: we'll see you next time.